Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is not here right now, but he will be returning shortly. They call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Matt, it is so good to be back. I have no idea what time it is. Uh, but <laughs> we've got we've got a we've got a great episode today, and I thought maybe if we could, I don't want to be too sentimental, but if we could, could we have a just a moment of remembrance for the the ruins of headphones that I am wearing right now as we record? <laughs> I think we should. You ready? Here it comes. Moment of silence in honor of Ben's headphones. Ah, oh, there it goes. R.I.P. A legend. Indeed. Alexa, play Boys to Men yesterday <laughs> you won't be able to hear it <laughs> yeah i won't be able to hear it i'll have to hear it hear it in my in my heart and soul uh matt now that so much time has passed i gotta tell you i'm pretty sure these are your headphones or were at some point or maybe casey pegram's headphones at some point these are so old dude are they the black sennheisers yeah oh yeah i've got a pair of silver ones right now yeah these are Nice and old too. There, um, these headphones were probably some of the first countless members. Of, well, we could probably count them. A lot of our colleagues probably wore in our early days of podcasting. So I was telling you and Noel in our group chat. Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate, but I'm thinking if we put these in a nice like glass box kind of artsy mm. frame yeah. and send it send it to an iHeart corporate office. If we make a plaque that looks nice enough, someone's going to hang it on the wall. 
Yeah, they will. And they should. Honestly, they should. Or we could just, I don't know, rub some kind of blood and guts all over it and send it up into the mountains. Do a, one of those, what are those burials called? Sky burial? <laughs> right there we go. Yes. Because uh, buzzards love eating Sennheiser headphones. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was one of their main selling points when they came out. The the headphones the vultures love. Uh, so the, the, the thing here is uh, if we did send this, these busted headphones and we made a vague enough plaque, then after they were hanging for years and years and years, people would start telling stories about them. And they would be doing so probably with totally good intentions. They heard someone else say, oh, these headphones belong to, you know, Josh and Chuck from Stuff You Should Know. And then as time went on, maybe someone would say, actually, these are the headphones that, you know, a, a legendary musician wore when yep. they did a show. They're Andre, they're Andre 3000s, and he developed them to look exactly like that. They're not broken. No, no. As a matter of fact, you're broken for making that assumption. Okay, so keep walking. We're finishing the tour. But people make stories about things, right? People want the world to make sense. And we are no different on this show. It's a big reason why we started it. So we are. we always talk with each other off air about ideas and about ideas that our fellow conspiracy realists have sent in. And every so often we run into something that we have never heard of at this point. We'll run in at this point. We, I think all three of us have a, a pretty good spidey sense about a category or genre of mysterious thing, but I'd say it's increasingly rare for all of us now to hear about something and have no idea. Correct. That happened to us pretty recently, right? Yeah. Uh, our buddy Niall called in and let us know about a thing called Adam's Calendar. And it was kind of just an aside in a larger conversation mm -hmm. he wanted to have. <laughs> but uh, this thing, just because we had no knowledge of it, became a little bit of a rabbit hole for us. And it's fascinating, y'all. Absolutely. This site or this name might not be familiar to everyone, or at least not by that name. But depending on who you ask, it may be one of the most significant structures in all of human history. If you checked out our listener mail segment where we mentioned this, and we love it if you do check out those shows, we always have a lot of fun, then you astute listeners at home may have heard uh, Matt and I sprinkling in some caveats. And <laughs> as people who... Uh, who talk on air pretty constantly, it can be difficult for us to hold back stuff when we know we want to do an, an episode on it. So you might have sent some hesitation or some ellipses when we're talking and we're saying, well, people claim it's the oldest structure on the planet. Yeah. And then there's a pause and one of us is like, agreed, people do claim that. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. In storytelling, you generally don't want to give away the entire ending right up at the top, uh, which is, you know. Unless sometimes. you're doing a memento thing. Oh, yeah. You can show like the very last moment and then you're like, but what happened? Then you go back to the beginning. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> so, yeah, this. OK, here are the facts. We know history can be pretty tricky. Matt, you and I were. I think uh, the best example you and I ever found 
of the trickiness of history comes in the story of the city of Troy, right? Mm. Which for centuries and centuries was assumed to be an allegory or assumed to be a complete work of fiction until one guy rediscovered it uh, and proved that this was a real place. Lost civilizations are a real thing. Humanity is great at losing stuff. It's not just you and your smartphone or your car keys, so don't feel bad. In a very real way, you are not alone. And other people have lost way bigger things. And the further we travel back from the present day, 2023, as we record this, the harder it is to learn specifics about almost anything. A given artifact, right? Like the Shroud of Turin, which I don't know if we ever did an episode on, or structure, or even an entire culture, you know? No one knows what happened to the ancient sea peoples. That's a true story. No one knows exactly why everything in one part of the world collapsed during the Bronze Age. We just know things went sideways. And like we said, Earth is hungry. It eats stuff. It's just the sad fact that the majority of ancient human culture is irretrievably lost. Oh, yeah, it is. Because forests and all kinds of vegetation just eats that stuff. Doesn't matter what you made it out of. It'll eat it. And then it just becomes some stones. And in the case of our story today, we are talking about stones. Spoiler alert. Lots and lots of stones, which are, you know, they'll stick around for quite a while. Uh, They do tend to move a little bit when the softer stuff below them moves. But if you've got, let's say a standing stone structure like Stonehenge, it will stick around. Yeah, that's that's something that I think a lot of us wish we had known earlier as kids, you know, reading the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown books and all, all, all that kind of stuff, which I love and still reread. Uh, very few people point out that the reason so many ancient structures are made of stone is because they're the ones that are still around today. There was a bunch of other stuff, quite sophisticated architecture, but it happened to be of reeds. It happened to be of wood, you know, and... It's a real three little pigs, uh, you know, thing that history has been doing for a long time, you know? Right, yeah. And uh, that's why even things made of bones, which are organic matter, even those can be eaten by the hungry, hungry planet upon which we live. So when you see things like the pyramids at Giza or Stonehenge or any number of ancient structures, you have to remember you're seeing a very small percentage of what was a thriving world. And these things now do not look anything like they did in their heyday. You're, you're looking at remnants right? Some in better condition than others. And when you look at these remnants, if you were like countless people throughout the millennia, you have tried to understand who would have gone to all that trouble. And why? (laughs) Why? (laughs) You know what I mean? There were grocery stores uh, living, just surviving, not even thriving, was a full-time job. And so you look at these structures and you you have to think, I mean, as weird and as as weird and petty as it sounds, you have to think, how did they schedule this? Like, how did they cooperate? How many people did this take? 
What did they use, right? What could have what could have motivated someone so much so that they would have cooperated with hundreds or even thousands, thousands of other people to build something like this, knowing yeah. that every minute they were doing that, they weren't out hunting, gathering, rearing children, all the all the hits, you know. Besides, I guess the I don't know, kind of easy answer of they were forced to do it by somebody who said, I'll kill you if you don't build this temple, which seems to be kind of common in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Help us build this monument to our God who has revealed this construction in a dream to me. Uh, yeah, cool. That's a good story, man. But uh, I, I don't believe in your God. Then build it or I will kill you. Yes. <laughs> Is that I'm easier now, for you? <laughs> yeah, I'm now newly converted, right? <laughs> yeah. We need to make this monument in the here and now. Well, I don't care about the here and now. Then see me. I am here. I am now. I got to stop rereading Black Monday Murders. It's sad. I'm like, I'm subscribed to forums to let me know the latest news of when the issues come. Out. Well, you just, you let me know. And then I'm getting okay. one too. <laughs> That's delegation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so... So, but now we're talking about these stories, right? And it's a very understandable thing. You know, despite all the rumors about places like Stonehenge or the pyramids or what has been called by a few Adam's calendar, we can confirm the most important part. These things are old. That, that part is true. These are all very, very old. Yes, uh, in the case of the pyramids of Giza, we're talking about a construction period somewhere between 2,550 years BCE to 2,490 years BCE. And just remember, those numbers do count down because you're counting backwards to zero, which then goes into the common era. Interesting stuff. Yeah, right. It's tricky, too. And so Stonehenge would weigh in somewhere with a construction period of somewhere between 3000 BCE to 2500 BCE. Yeah. Still both very, very old. And like you said, Matt, it counts down. But you've heard of these structures before. You may have even seen videos or, or heard uh, podcast episodes on these that we have recorded. May have even seen Ancient Aliens episodes. Yeah, and we've made no secret... Uh, that there are some serious problems with a lot of ancient alien theories. Not all, and we're not saying that they're made in bad faith or the people who do it are grifters or anything like that, but the, there are a lot of assumptions in those. And personally, I, I feel like it's safe to say on our show, we would prefer History Channel lean into explaining some of the problems some of the plot holes in, in those stories. Or, you know, just history in general. Or just history in general, yeah, which is not a static thing. It is, it is a conversation. It is also, to a high degree, malleable. And the people who control the past control the present, mm. and therefore the future. Yeah, so, okay, so we're, you know about Stonehenge, folks. We, we know about the pyramids. They're awesome. A lot of the more breathless claims about them, of course, have not been proven. But a lot of serious questions remain about the motivation to build them, some of the methods used, etc. And you can see some great research on these right now. Like if you've got some time to kill, uh, go find go find people reconstructing the ancient means 
folks use to make megalithic structures, right? Or dolmen or whatever. And today's show is thematically related to that because those are the most well-known examples. But Adam's calendar, Matt, is not something that a lot of people have heard about, I think. No, it is not. And let's just get this out of the way. When we say Adam, we're not talking about your friend you grew up with and went to elementary school with. No, we're talking about Adam from Adam and Eve, the biblical story of the first man. Pre-belly button guy. Mm -hmm. That Adam. Yeah. The fig leaves mm -hmm. and the shame. Yes, <laughs> and a complicated relationship with snakes, that guy. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and his kids and his partner. It's just it's a lot of layers to Adam. Uh, and so apparently he had this calendar or it was, there's someone who named this site in modern day South Africa, Adam's calendar. It's remote. It is not something that you can just, easily immediately visit from the Johannesburg airport. But there is definitely something there. If you go to the Mumpumlanga uh, province in South Africa, then you will see that this site is not protected by an electric fence, by high security, nor a government, nor a corporation. It's just out there on one side of a valley near uh, the ancient side of a river and if you're in the area, you can go visit it, but you're, you're going to want to plan your trip. Yeah, there is. I did find a small place you can rent. There's a house, I think, pretty close to it. Just a couple of roads over. I found I found that and I'm looking into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm on board. Look, I'll keep track of that comic book we like. And could you just produce the trip to South Africa? Easy. Got oh, it. Great. We're, okay, we're going to square. Yeah, we're going to rope Annie Reese into it because I know she's been there. Make oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Annie Reese, our uh, dear friend from Sminty and from the Saver podcast, both of which are great. Do people know what Sminty is? Stuff mom never told you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we're doing jargon. Just like cults. We're doing acronyms. Just like governments. Stuff mom never told you. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and shout out to the creator, Kristen Conger. Uh, so, Matt. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Adam's calendar. Let's use the name Adam's calendar for now, because that's how you and I initially learned about it. How old is Adam's calendar? How does it stack up in comparison to the pyramids or in comparison to Stonehenge? Well, it really, really depends on where you look online and on whose research those numbers are based because you can find some people claiming that it's only about 500 years old. Some people say it's a couple, you know, 1500, couple thousand years old. Others saying it's around 75,000 years old. 75,000 years old. This would put it well before the pyramids, well before uh, the world's favorite hinge. Uh, at first glance, you know, to the untrained eye, or even the academic eye, honestly, if you're just looking at it for the first time, you can confirm it looks ancient. Uh, we found some great descriptions of it from an outfit called the Heritage Portal in an article written by Peter Delius, Tim Maggs, and Alex Schumann. And I was thinking 
um, maybe we lean on them a little bit to describe the site because they they paint a, a beautiful picture of how you get to the countryside in a mm-hmm. in a pretty rural area, you know, maybe suburban in a few decades, but for right now it's pretty rural. And you'll hit a vista and you start to see in the distance something breaking up that pastoral low sweep of the valley. Oh, yes. In this book, they describe driving through Mapumalonga, looking out, as you said, Ben, and seeing something remarkable. That's how they put it. You'll see fragments, both large and small, of buildings in stone or like parts of buildings, right? They're near the sides of the road. They're further away up in the hills, down in the valleys below, but you're starting to see them everywhere you look. Right. It's not just one thing. It's not one old building or something. There are no roofs. Uh, there are no clear you know, entryways or windows, of course, by, by this point in history. Uh, so you might not immediately think these are dwellings, but you can tell those rocks didn't just happen uh, naturally. Somebody made them. Exactly. I'm just going to give you a little further quote here, Ben, because they describe them as endless stone circles set in bewildering mazes and linked by long stone passages that cover the landscape below. And that to me is just that picture in my mind circles attached through some kind of maybe roads, maybe some kind of, uh, at some point it was a, there was a dome to those walkways or something like Mm -hmm. what was all that stuff without knowing anything. My mind starts to just travel off into all the different possibilities. Right. Right. And this is the time when you start reading the primary sources and the scholarly papers and realizing how much, uh, terminology, you have forgotten from school days. At least uh, that's that's the case I, I think many of us find ourselves in. These folks also note something really important. The site is huge. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with things on that scale, if you're just standing on the ground, uh, regardless of your height in, as an individual, you're going to have a tough time grasping the entirety of the structure, right? That's why they say, that's why they imply you need to get a bird's eye view. If you study the views provided by Google Earth, they say you can you can see it here, which we've confirmed you can. Uh, you can get a sense of the heartland of this world. And they talk about how these structures connect over 10,000 square kilometers of the Mopumalanga escarpment into, again, a very complex, very sophisticated web of stone walls, what appear to have been at least partially stone buildings. How big is this thing? Because it feels like, you know, when you hear about other ancient megalithic structures like Stonehenge, Stonehenge is something with a road, you can drive by it, right? Yeah. And it's it's kind of a, a specific discrete site. There's just the one thing called Stonehenge. Yes, there's not six or seven Stonehenges, but we do know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben, I think as a part of Stonehenge, there are several other nearby sites that are just a distance away. There's nothing right. connecting them. And yes. there's some kind of similarity here where there's a great distance between some of these, um, what do we call the stone structures with the walls and the things we're describing there. There's some places where it's just so far away from the next one. And then others where it just seems like 
they were all built right together. Uh, so, yes, yeah, sorry, I'm getting a little distracted here, Ben. Uh, the entirety of all those structures, if you're driving through it, is said to run 150 clicks north to south and about 50 kilometers wide. Uh, ben, remind us what a click is. <laughs> a click is a kilometer. It's, just, <laughs> it's, what we, it's what we do so we don't feel like we're saying kilometer too often. And it sounds cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if anybody grew up with a uh, military in your family, but whomever it was that was an older figure in your family who was in the military, if they ever described something in terms of clicks, yeah. it just sounded so cool. Right. Can I, can I tell you what I thought it was when I was growing up? What I was thought, it? You know, when you watch radar go around in like an 80s movie or 70s, you know, just older movies like oh, the yeah, radar yeah, yeah. going around in a circle. Ping. I always Ping. thought it was one move over on the radar. So, like, whatever uh, that distance is for the standard for a radar, I thought that's what a click was. I'm not smart. Oh, no. That's, you know what? Let's just start you, let's start describing things in clicks, <laughs> at, but not as kilometers. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, cool. let's just never explain it but but yeah you you raise a great point here because that site you know 150 kilometers or like 93 something miles or whatever uh this this is huge and adam's calendar exists within that structure mm-hmm. uh however however defined it's on one side of a steep valley by a river and That placement makes a lot of sense because historically humans have always sought to live by sources of water. It's a great way to get sustenance. Uh, It's great for trade routes, especially in earlier eras. And, you know, honestly, just rivers look nice. Living by a body of water when the weather is on your side, it can be really relaxing. You're absolutely right. And let's tell people the name of that river. It's the Blaubusch Crawl river and that's what the all of these stone ruins are named after so the blaubush crawl stone ruins and this is how you spell it if you want to look it up b-l-a-a-u-b-o-s-h-k-r-a-a-l you can find it and you can even find it on google maps and look at a bird's eye view of this thing i would highly recommend google earth because you can really scan across the area pretty effectively and look at what you you can see these on the ground. Yeah, you absolutely can. And it's worth checking out. I mean, you know, Google isn't perfect, but Google Earth is just a, a, a fascinating piece of software and it it shows you how far how far surveillance has come. Yeah. In good ways and bad ways. <laughs> like try that street view or try that game where you just try you attempt you get a random picture from Street View and you attempt to guess where it is in the world. Oh wow. Some people are really good at that. I've seen I've seen some YouTube vids. Mm-hmm. I just really just hover over Groom Lake for way too long. Just kind of look around. Keep it and refresh. Yeah. So, <laughs> just in case. Uh, so we are going to pause for a word from our sponsors and a little bit of refreshment. And then we're going to get back to Adam's calendar and the many other names it has. And we're going to try to separate some fact from fiction. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. In July 1881, a man walked into a train station, pulled out a gun, and shot the President of the United States. James Garfield's assassination horrified the American people, and they wanted his killer, Charles Guiteau, punished. But Guiteau, many experts believed, was insane. What had seemed like a black-and-white case was now much grayer. Could the justice system truly deliver justice in a situation like this? Guiteau's trial was extraordinary, but not unique. Important trials have always raised questions and made us reflect on the world we live in. I'm Mira Hayward, and I'm exploring the stories of these trials in my new podcast, History on Trial. Every episode will cover a different trial from American history and reveal how the legal battles of the past have shaped our present. Listen and subscribe to History on Trial, now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And we've returned. So this site has garnered a lot of attention in recent decades. I think we can skip the idea of what it was quote unquote discovered because truthfully, a lot of times when you hear about something being discovered, it means it was the first time that someone not in the local community came across it, right? You're absolutely correct. But can we talk about how that person feels like they discovered it or thinks they discovered it. Yeah, that's a good caveat. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Because we're talking about looking at this stuff from a satellite view, right? And mm-hmm. being able to get the scope. But when you're driving through, it's kind of hard, even at first, to tell if you're actually seeing stone sites that are all connected together or are they all separate or what is that stuff. But if you can see it from above, like the two people we're about to talk about did, uh, they put it together and felt like they discovered something new, something hidden. Yeah. And these folks might be called fringe researchers by some, Uh, and they're part of the very out there claims you might hear about who built these ruins and why. And I think the, the most well-known of those claims come from a guy named Michael Tellinger who is a politician and author in South Africa who co-wrote a book about this that kind of functions as the, the primary source for a lot of people who believe there's something far out of the ordinary about this site. Something extremely special, right? Uh, it, it has more meaning to it than meets the eye. Uh, there's like almost code 
in how the stones are laid out. This person, Michael Tellinger, he worked with Johan Heen, I think is how you would say it, H-E-I-N-E. And uh, these guys just, well, I guess we can just say what it is, but, but let's preface it with their ideas appear to be very closely based on the concepts put forward by Zechariah Stitchin. Uh, the concepts that we're kind of alluding to at the beginning here, that aliens or extraterrestrials may have had some involvement in ancient civilizations, including uh, whoever it was that built this Adam's calendar structure. Right, yeah. This will be familiar to anybody who's read books like Chariot of the Gods by Eric Von Daniken. Uh, Twelfth the- Planet. Twelfth planet, uh, the planet beyond Neptune, Nibiru, and so on. Yeah, Zechariah Stitchin is of that uh, of that school of thought, and in his case, he, if I recall what I read correctly, one of his big platforms, or uh, one of the big planks of his platform, is the idea that ancient human Sumerian culture was created by a, a non-human intelligence or inspired by non-human intelligence, which are now the legendary Anunnaki, right? Uh, And Nephilim and so on. And that they actually come from a planet beyond Neptune, which would be Nibiru. There you go. And Nibiru's coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's always coming back. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Because it's because of its multi-thousand year orbit around the sun. Uh, Stitchin by the way, he was very well known in his space. Uh, before his death in 2010, he sold millions and millions of copies of his work, translated into multiple languages, and inspired a lot of people. And so some Intellinger skeptics will say that Stitchin also heavily inspired him. Tellinger's book claims that the ruins are actually 300,000 years old, which would make them much, much older than anything. I did I didn't Ben, I just have to tell you, in what I was looking at, I didn't even see that number. I I saw I think 160 as the maximum that was reported, I guess, where I was looking. Three hundred thousand years well, old. Well then that might be another story people are telling, right? The specifics change. And yeah. you know what? Again, we have to be careful about that psychological phenomenon anchoring. Because you hear a wild number, like 300,000 years old, and all of a sudden you start to think, oh, the pyramids in Stonehenge aren't that impressive. They very much are. They're still, those things are still also really, really old, but probably beyond the scale of human imagining, right? To really grasp that span of time. So let's not dunk on. <laughs> Let's not dunk on our previously popular ancient sites. Because this one's just supposedly might be 300,000 years old, according to uh, these authors. Right. Just so. And uh, these authors and other people who agree with them have also claimed to have found the, the motivation for building this stuff. The purpose behind it, which as we established, is like the big question. Why go to all this trouble? Uh, in their mind, it's a multifunctional thing. It is an ancient calendar, but not just that. Yes, uh, not just that at all. It, it's an ancient calendar that looks at things like equinoxes and solstices, and it's able to use it, the shadows of the sun to determine all that stuff. And it's also aligned uh, to uh, based on Orion, 
up above. It's also based uh, well, there are several other things that made it super special. There's true north, south, true west, east. And there are a couple other alignments that, you know, make it a calendar and a clock and a bunch of other things. Um, but they're also saying it's connected in some way to ley lines or like, uh, not. Is it ley lines or is it just some other type of line that spans across the earth that does connect ancient sites like the pyramids of Giza and other old places? Right. It's if not ley lines, it's a very similar argument to ley lines, right? That there's a larger structure that ancient humans either created or learned to use, right? Uh, the same way that ancient societies learned to use rivers for trade. So the other big thing, in addition to aliens, that people find controversial is the idea that Adam's calendar in particular and the site overall served as part of a kind of eldritch power grid, a big network across Southern Africa that somehow harnessed and channeled power way before humanity first learned to use electricity. Whoa. How cool would that be if that was real? How amazing. That would be amazing. Like, look, I'll give you a story. What if Earth is a machine, right? We think it's got this mantle and this crust and this core and all this stuff. What if it's a machine a la moonfall and the the nature of this machine as you get outwards towards the crust of it the the place that's organic you've actually got these like ridges that go all the way around the earth um i'm, I'm trying to imagine something that it would look like um a ridge like imagine a ball but then it's got these ridges that go out about an inch and on okay. each of those ridges that go around you could you know put something in the ground and you got power baby but you got to be on the ridge okay two <laughs> there out there go. sorry no no i like it because <laughs> because you know that's oh and it's done ben it's done because the, the the creators of the earth who made that machine they knew they had to limit the number of human beings that were on the planet right oh, right so they would yeah. only exist around those ridges and then nature would be able to grow in between them baby Huh. Yeah. And this is a watertight theory. Oh, it is. What can I say? You could submerge it. I feel like you nailed it. I feel like you figured it out. And if we can just confirm even a piece of that, <laughs> then it is. Book it right. Make this, we'll write a book. Yeah. Yeah. It would make it the most important site in human history. So is it true? Here's where it gets crazy. No. No. Now, not the uh, no, no. Matt's theory has not yet been fully investigated. Oh yeah, 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 we, yeah, yeah. We have to we have to do a lot more due diligence and get our hands around the globe and you know start digging into the planet, various places. I, I say we do it, uh, but but if you're talking about just Tellinger's ideas, then you're going to quickly run into a problem. The the research on this, and I'm trying to be diplomatic here, the research on the site is a house divided. There are two camps. One group, like Tellinger, makes a lot of claims that are pretty difficult to verify. And on the other side, you have a ton of historians and archaeologists, local and from across the globe, who have a much different narrative. And theirs right now seems to be supported by the bulk of the objective evidence. Yeah, it should be pointed out that 
Um, you can find it all everywhere online. Allegedly, Tellinger hired some amateur to give him a date about how old this structure was. And that's where the original age of the structure came from, which was stated as 75,000 years. Yeah, exactly. And experts in the, in the academic camp believe they also know who built this structure, the Bocconi civilization, B-O-K-O-N-I. Yeah, and that's not just Adam's calendar. That's the entirety of right. those uh, Blaubusch crawl ruins. They were everywhere. The 150 clicks mm-hmm. north and south and 50 kilometers wide. Yeah, uh, they believe that it was created in a series of phases in the 16th century. And a lot of the... A lot of the current conjecture argues that these structures were either built as a way uh, to keep cattle, like cattle enclosures, or a way to mark out various territorial boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do know it's it's a pretty complex structure from what we can tell. And look, it's also quite possible that a few aliens may have decided to play cowboy, right? Maybe. But- Maybe, but if they did, they left no record of anything other than human activity there. Yeah. Well, it's also thought that some of the stones that exist there that kind of resemble roads may have been terraced structure, terror like a terrace where you could either plant something or keep smaller animals within like this certain area. Uh, There's some really great research that's been done into this thing, and it, it shows a pretty robust life for for people who were living out there in, in large numbers. Sure. Uh, pastoral, agricultural communities, they had thriving industries, and they were connected to larger networks of completely different communities. And they most likely did use that river as a way of engaging in trade. Mm-hmm. The site itself seems to be built in three rough phases And the phases of construction tell a story over time. In the third phase, it seemed that things have been escalating for a while. Rival communities appear to have invaded what was traditionally the land of the Bocconi, and instability across the region was pushing these groups into territory, right? Into competition for all the resources you could imagine. So the Bocconi, are believed to have responded by building something that a few scholars have called the equivalent of refugee settlements. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not like they were temporary, like, you know, uh, it was an invading army that came in over the course of a week or something like that. They built these structures to last a long time, as in they the leaders at least saw an ongoing problem that needed to be addressed, and this was one of the answers. Yeah, the Bocconi were an advanced, sophisticated group. They definitely knew what they were doing when they were constructing this stuff. And again, they were regional players, particularly in the food industry of the day. You could say they functioned kind of as a regional breadbasket. And it seems that they quite likely traded agricultural products for other goods or even luxuries like ivory, you know, the stuff they didn't have. Similar to our conversations about Ukraine. Yeah, right. There's always 
conflict ultimately, I'm just going to say it again, does come down to resources. Mm -hmm. The window dressing might change. The brand name might change. But if you open the box and look inside, the conflicts are about who gets what material. And look, history is closer than it appears in the rearview mirror. The Bocconi seem to have used this these structures all the way up into the 1830s, which is a long time for groups of people to live in a single place. And they were abandoned during this wave of catastrophic warfare and subsequent migration. So aside from that house you mentioned, Matt, and some other buildings in a nearby town, people are living on this site today. So that that also makes it easier if you come along in recent decades, that also makes it easier to kind of put your own meaning on the site, right? To oh, yeah. lend your own spin and perspective. Because it's not like somebody's going to walk out of there and say, what are you doing in my yard? Those people are long gone. But still, 1830s, very, very recent. And these these things are definitely old. But are they alien? I don't think so. I don't know. Don't think so either. And we should just point this out too. A lot of the recent interest in this, or even let's say the most fervent interest in this site, only starts around nineteen, like late nineteen forties, post World War II. That's when a lot of that's when a lot of historians, archaeologists are actually looking at this place, taking data, doing the hard science, or doing the hard science that lends to the social science of you know trying to understand what peoples were here and why. Right. Yeah. Agreed. And at this point, none of those folks have found any hard proof that extraterrestrials participated in this construction. What it seems to, what it seems to be is ingenious human communities leveraging the knowledge, the experience and the tools they had access to at the time to try to further ensure stability for their community, right? And we see that uh, some of this construction can be thought of as reaction to other pressures, social pressures, resource pressures, etc. But the more strange claims, even the name Adam's calendar, the stuff it's based on is incredibly difficult to prove. And that's not saying we know everything about these ruins. That's just saying that of the stuff we can prove at the time, it seems pretty clear that one camp, the archaeologist, they they seem to have the most supporting evidence on their side. Now, if that changes, of course, we're going to be first to the mat as soon as we can with uh, with an apology, which would be an exuberant apology on our behalf, because we always wanted something like this to happen. But uh, I want to believe, man. But we don't want to end it quite there. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors and we'll return with some pretty great, amazing news uh, and news that continues in the modern day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In July 1881, a man walked into a train station, pulled out a gun, and shot the President of the United States. James Garfield's assassination horrified the American people, and they wanted his killer, Charles Guiteau, punished. But Guiteau, many experts believed, was insane. What had seemed like a black and white case was now much grayer. Could the justice system truly deliver justice in a situation like this? Guiteau's trial was extraordinary, but not unique. Important trials have always raised questions and made us reflect on the world we live in. I'm Mira Hayward, and I'm exploring the stories of these trials in my new podcast, History on Trial. Every episode will cover a different trial from American history and reveal how the legal battles of the past have shaped our present. Listen and subscribe to History on Trial, now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. All of a sudden, he says, Linda, I see a skull. Deep in the heart of the Ozarks, a mysterious disappearance turns into a grisly discovery. Two young women murdered. My name is M. William Phelps. For the past several years, I've been reinvestigating the cases of two young women abducted from their small towns, their bodies dumped deep in the Ozark woods, with a connection to one very familiar name. He chose his own moniker, bind them, torture them, kill them, BTK. Cold cases I'm breaking wide open as a heated confrontation with an alleged psychopath ensues. Did you kill those girls? You got all this information. Now why did you ask me if you already knew? Long-held secrets finally revealed, sending authorities rushing to confront a suspect who's been hiding in plain sight for decades. Listen to Paper Ghost Season 4 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back. Matt, we talked off air. Mm. We didn't want this to end in a total downer and, and feel like we're just debunking everything. The um, These ruins are amazing. Yeah, they, they are. are. They are human-built, and even that fact is astonishing, the stuff people were capable of when motivated. Think about it right now. If you wanted to go out and build a structure out of stone that is going to house you and your family and all the cattle you're keeping because, you know, you need food and milk and cheese and things like that. Got to have my cows. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a place where you can plant all your food viably, uh, you know, build something like that, build, like move a bunch of stones, really heavy stones as, you know, your base. And then even let's say you wanted to create something, that might even be some kind of religious structure out of these big stones. How are you going to do it right now? How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Uh, how are you going to do it with, you know what, for this thought experiment, with access to all the information you have? Yeah. You got everything you need. You even got your phone in your hand. Are You still think you could do it? I don't know. <sighs> you know what? And you can ask friends for help. Mm-hmm. Don't threaten anyone with pain of death, but you know. Yeah, don't force them to do anything. Uh, but this, what we're saying is it's really tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really tough. Uh, and 
this becomes even more fascinating when we realize that these things are far from the only examples. There are genuinely mysterious ancient structures built to huge scales, and some of them are so old that humanity is still not exactly sure when they were built. Uh, just for the sake of time, let's let's look at Turkey. Turkey has great examples. Mesoamerica has great examples. Uh, the African continent, of course. Uh, there, there are so many amazing old things. Uh, some of the oldest are places like Bonkuklu Tarla, and pardon us, not native Turkish speakers, or Gobekli uh, Tepe. That's that's how I always hear him say it. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, so we'll say Gobekli. And local archaeologists estimate this Bonkuklu Tarla region may be as much as 12,000 years old. Incredibly impressive. Yeah, it is. Well, and that's why when you were maybe first introduced to the ancient aliens concepts and someone walks you through the construction of these things, the intricacies of the stonework often, stuff that you can't figure out really on the top of your head unless, you know, you're a master stone worker or something like, how could you have done that? And even if you are a master stone worker, posing the question, how could you have done that 12,000 years ago? Uh, it seems to be as difficult as we've been describing making one of these things in the modern day, right? It would be mm -hmm. super difficult. Then it moves to nearly impossible, if not fully impossible, to do 12,000 years ago. And that's where the ancient aliens thing just goes, oh, yeah, dude, totally, it was lasers. And then you see the, the stories start to split, or the speculation mm -hmm. diverges uh, with various concepts or theories about why these architects are no longer around today or acknowledged to be mm -hmm. around, you know? And there's a wide variety here. There, the, not all these theories agree with each other. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to point out it, that concept of like why your brain goes to ancient alien theory and like starts to understand it and get excited about it. It really does undercut just the skill and intelligence of human beings that lived then in those areas. Right. And we just, you gotta, you gotta remember that when you're, when your mind takes you to that, Oh, fully lasers. <laughs> you just, you just remember that. Right. Because then the other question is why do, why do so many buildings today not live up to those standards? Right. Uh, but again, what we're seeing are the remnants. We're seeing the things that survived thousands of years, just so we could talk about them. And Gobekli is something we covered in previous episodes. It's incredibly befuddling today, believed to have been built somewhere between uh, 7,500 to 1,000 BCE. This, this means these structures date back to the Southwest Asian Neolithic period. As you can imagine, they are themselves subjects of numerous, numerous out there theories. And it's you know, to a degree, you have to make theories about this stuff because you have to figure out the best way to research it and just have to be okay when those theories need to be revised. These things are, the stories about these things, rather, are everything from lost civilizations, that one's true, people have lost civilizations in the past, to ancient aliens, that one, not so much, to sophisticated temple structures for some kind of now-forgotten religion. 
That one remains unclear. People are still arguing about the temple thing now. Well, it could be. There's some researchers who believed it was uh, influence from ancient Indian cultures that came into southern Africa. And then it was actually their religious influence that caused all of these stone structures, specifically uh, in, in the area of Adam's calendar and all of those structures. Like there, there are people who believe that and have written about that, which it. I can't. I can't tell you if it's true or not, but it, it doesn't appear to be as plausible as some of the other concepts. Right. Yeah. We almost have to measure the daisy chain of if thens, mm-hmm. right, or the what ifs, and see how far those branches go and how sturdy they remain when you get really out to the edges. Look, just like the Adams Calendar site, these sites in Turkey are not guarded by top secret cadres. There aren't UFOs currently in the sky right now saying, I hope no one figures this out. Uh, (laughs) Gobekli is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it has been one since 2018, which is still very recently. And as of 2021, one of the most recent estimates we could find on the site in particular, all the experts agree that they have excavated less than 5% of that site. Wow. What else could be down there? We genuinely do not know. We being current civilization. And that's where we end the episode. We don't know, and neither do you, and you'll never find out. Bye. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Well, well, there will be stuff to find out, right? Because there are almost certainly more ancient sites out there waiting for humanity to discover what their certainly human ancestors built all those millennia ago. Again, history is still happening. You can go to, uh, found a neat little article on this for thetravel.com by Joshua Chaidu. And in this, the author lists out a bunch of new discoveries, some that are brand new places, some that are discoveries of site, on sites that have already been well known to humanity for a long time. Like there's still news coming out about Pompeii mm. all this time after that tragic eruption, people are still digging in there and going, oh, holy smokes. Hmm. Well, the, the one that's linked in this, at least that I'm seeing, Ben, it's number 17 on the list, and it is titled Golden City in Luxor, Egypt. It was buried under sand. It's 3,000 years old. They got a lot of sand in Egypt. Whoa. Also, that's slang, isn't it? When you say someone's got a lot of sand. You got a lot of sand coming in here. Is that it? Is that how you would use it? No. I mean, I think it might be on the, I think it might be on down to the intonation. Okay. But it does sound like, you know, you've got some nerve. Ah. You got a lot of sand. This guy's Uh, got a lot of sand. (laughs) They said at the pyramids. So, uh. So, yeah, you can also see Roman shipwrecks are being discovered. There were, we learned more about the menu of a restaurant in ancient Pompeii. Uh, this, this stuff is fascinating. There's news about the Dead Sea Scrolls. What we're saying is this is a great time to be alive for any, anybody who wants to learn more about the ancient past. There are still questions out there to be answered, and there are absolutely absolutely right now, lost ancient structures that will likely be found 
within your lifetime as you listen to this show. And that's where we want your help, folks. What do you think? What other ancient sites are out there? How can we best separate rumors about them, stories that people have um, embellished in the great game of telephone? How can we separate that from the facts? And what can those facts tell us about the modern day? I want to know the strangest modern structure in your local area that you think is going to befuddle historians and archaeologists in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, I want to, I would like to know that too. Um, <laughs> and we want pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It always, I, I think I mentioned this on air before, but I always think about that in cities. This, mm-hmm. this is an example, right? You're driving through a city and uh, you see all the bridges and roads where interstates connect, mm-hmm. right? In, in, here in Atlanta, there's a place called Spaghetti Junction. It's a fun name. And it's just a series of all these bridges crossing over. And whenever I see stuff like that, I always like to think that future historians, I just picture them walking around. Maybe they're robots. Maybe they're aliens. Maybe they're humanity v 2.0. They're, they're walking around and they're saying they're looking at the remnants of skyscrapers and overpasses. And they're going, we don't know much about these mysterious penis worshiping uh, primitives. <laughs> But we do know they made structures to their gods, and they were likely sustaining themselves based on a sophisticated network of aqueducts, which go throughout this site, even directly to what we believe were their dwellings. Whoa, yes. And that's how roads work, but now they're (laughs) they're, they're pitching it as... An aqueduct. So stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that on the money? That, yeah. yeah. Is, is it Chicago that has that big silvery weird bean looking thing that's the super bean. reflective? Yeah. yeah. Like what's, what, what are people going to think that is? <laughs> it, that's why religion is so often the easiest explanation. Yep. The bean people <laughs> of the early, <laughs> of the early Anthropocene. <laughs> We're known for their intense neo-agricultural belief system. Oh, yes. So take your pictures uh, and, you know, come up with your your theory and your site and find us online. You can find us on Twitter at Conspiracy Stuff, YouTube Conspiracy Stuff, Facebook Conspiracy Stuff, and a couple others, Instagram and TikTok Conspiracy Stuff show. Mm -hmm. You can also... uh, Meet us at a crossroads at midnight, if you know the right words. Uh, But if you want to just use regular words, you can call us on a telephone. We are 1-833-STDWYTK. You'll hear a voice. You'll hear a beep. That beep is like your starting pistol. You got three minutes. They're yours. Go nuts. Uh, Give us a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your message and or voice on the show. Most importantly, don't edit yourself. If you have those pictures that Matt was describing. Uh, if you have sources, especially if you're giving us a lead for a new episode idea, which we love, then send us an email. All you have to do is drop us a line at our address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the Scopes Monkey Trial to O.J. Simpson, trials have always made us reflect on the world we live in. I'm Mira Hayward, and my podcast, History on Trial, will explore fascinating trials from American history. Join me in revealing the true story behind the headlines and discover how the legal battles of the past have shaped our present. Listen and subscribe to History on Trial, now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is M. William Phelps. For the past several years, I've been reinvestigating the cases of two young women abducted from their small towns, their bodies dumped deep in the Ozark woods, with a connection to one very familiar name. Find them, torture them, kill them, BTK. Secrets finally revealed, sending authorities rushing to confront a suspect who's been hiding in plain sight for decades. Listen to Paper Ghost Season 4 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.